This is the Talk Theater in Chicago interview podcast. I'm your host this week, Anne Nicholson-Weber. And today I'm joined by two cast members and the director of the production of The Weir by Connor McPherson, which is uh, being produced by Shanaki Theater at the Irish American Heritage Center. And it's a wonderful play and a wonderful production, and I wanted just to talk about how it was made. So I have the director, Matt Miller, and two of the cast members, Sarah Wellington and Brad Armacost. Thanks Hello. so much for Welcome. joining me. Good afternoon. The Weir is a very um, distinctive play, I would say, and Matt, maybe you could just characterize it for people who might not know what it is. Uh, the Weir was written when Connor McPherson, the playwright, was a very young man. He was, I believe, 26, 27 when he wrote The Weir, which is astounding, I think, once you read the play uh, and and look at the, the depth of knowledge he has about the human condition as a young man. Um, you know, I think it's his ode to a couple things. I think it's its ode to the pub, and I think it's also his ode to storytelling uh, as an art form and as a as a human practice. Um, I first encountered this play on the beach. <laughs> I was reading it on the beach, which is maybe the worst place you could possibly <laughs> read this play. It's light uh, summer that's reading. That's right, light <laughs> summer reading. And I, I read it, and, and of course it's magnetic, and you just get pulled into this world and and, you know, despite being on a sunny beach, I was transported to this small bar in rural Ireland uh, on a, a blustering evening. And the, and I, I've seen the play dozens of times now, and uh, I, I'm still taken there every night. And it's, I think, the, a testament to his writing and to the, the specificity, I think, of his writing as well, that, that therein lies the magic. Yeah. Well, one of the things that strikes me about it, it, sitting in the audience, and in fact, I had seen the play before, and I warned my son whom I brought to this. I said, okay, this is how much happens. Zero. <laughs> Be prepared. There is no action. And I think that that, I would have to imagine, creates some challenges as you're staging um, a work where, I mean, I think it's fair to say nothing happens. People are sitting around talking. Of course, a great deal happens mm -hmm. underneath the surface emotionally. I think that's the way to put it. So um, maybe Sarah and Brad, you could talk about as actors how that might affect the challenges of, of doing these roles. Um, yeah, I think if... if nothing happens because in drama you need a conflict. Connor McPherson talks about how there is enough conflict in one human being's soul mm. to create enough drama. And I think that is what happens in this play. So what is so important, and he also talks about this in the beginning of the play, sort of in the, not in the play itself, but in his little epilogue about it, that this play really is about people talking to each other and listening to each other. And it has to be that in production. And I think that that is the strength of, of our production, that we, um, despite the antics in the dressing room, we do a lot of listening in the show um, to each other. And I think that that for an audience to really witness that and to witness this beautiful language and understanding of character is enthralling without big fights or, or yeah. massive breakdowns or whatever else, you know, you might have. Before you go any further, let me just set the scene a little more for people who haven't seen the show. Essentially, where we are is in an Irish pub, as Matt said, and what happens is over the course of an evening of just hanging mm -hmm. out together in a pub, 
they start telling stories and they trade stories around. And that's the play. So just wanted to give that context. No, and that's, that is a, a great context because I think Sarah hit it on the, on the head when she said the listening aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a great deal of talking in 90 minutes with five people on stage, 95 minutes with five people on stage. Um, but I think the key is, is listening and that is listening from an actor standpoint. And, uh, I certainly hope it's engaging enough for the audience to lean forward in their chairs. Um, Matt talked about this very, very early on in the rehearsal process, how McPherson, I think, has listened very carefully to the same stories that we're now telling. Mm-hmm. And we, we hit upon the character of Brendan, who is the, Barman is the, is, this is his, his little pub. Um, well, he doesn't have a long monologue, but he's actually, we, you know, we, we, we played around with kind of McPherson's surrogate listening to these stories and 20 years from now he'll be telling these Mm -hmm. stories and Mm -hmm. and matt was uh, again um had to take a trip to ireland before the show started (laughs) before our rehearsal process started just to suck up all of this knowledge Mm -hmm. and and certainly he told or heard a tale or two over in ireland i imagine it was uh it was an interesting trip it was a trip i made because i felt um you know, working with a company that that traffics exclusively in Irish theater, uh, and this being really my first uh, my first stab at Irish theater, I felt like I I owed it to myself to make the trip, and very glad I did. Uh, it, it proved to be very helpful in terms of understanding just the regionalisms and the dialects, which I, I really didn't have a grasp of until I was there, and realized how attuned people were to what part of the country people were from, uh, which happens a bit in this. Uh, in this play, uh, Sarah's character is from Dublin and the rest of these men are from a much more rural area. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it was a, it was a great trip. Um, what besides that, uh, awareness of the local dialects and local differences did you bring back with you? Um, it, you know, it was. Level of drinking? <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I, I mean, I did, I think, understand much more clearly how large role the pub plays in um, the Irish community in the mm-hmm. Irish town mm-hmm. uh, it is it is one part community center it is one part uh, alcohol distributor it is one <laughs> part uh, you know just meeting place it is it, it's a little different than it is mm-hmm. here and I, I can say from from an actor standpoint beginning this process which was a relatively quick process putting the putting the play together um, Matt certainly brought back a multimedia. He, you know, thank, <laughs> thank you, Apple Macintosh. Thank you, uh, digital cameras. But it was, you know, we had, we just had a, a, a wealth of yes, pub stories, but photos and 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 just experiences. And um, it is it is a gorgeous set. It's uh, the set design, the set designer, and and uh, the lighting designers. Mm-hmm. And I'll leave those to you to yeah. know. <laughs> Bob Groth and uh, Jennifer Thysing, uh designed the set together, and then Julian Pike was our amazing light designer. Amazing light designer. And Gretel Ulrich also yes. provided a lot of the set dressing yes, and did. the props. And did but, an amazing but, job. 
it's it's amazing how important that is, certainly in a compressed rehearsal process, mm-hmm. to have that. You know, we do, Shanaki doesn't have a dramaturg, or <laughs> we don't have a research department. Um, but it was wonderful to sit around that table and and have stories, hear stories, and and again, the entire process was was very collaborative. Um, several of us, most of us, have been to Ireland and uh, once or twice or ten times, and <laughs> so we were, we did a lot of roundtable work just telling stories about our experiences there and ghost yeah. stories. Uh, we talked yeah, about we ghost did. stories we, as well. I don't have one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kevin Jice well, is a good one. Yeah, yeah. Go back to the to Matt from your point of view as a director, um, directing the actors with these very long monologue stories. Were there things that you did in terms of you know where you put them on the set or uh, notes you gave them that were addressing the special challenges of, of those moments? Um, you know, I, I I think for for different actors there were different kind of strategies I I employed and we talked about um, and for some. You know, the, you know, I feel like I had very, very little conversation with Kevin and Brad and some, some regard to their monologues. And then I feel like I had much longer and more in-depth discussions with Sarah and Jeff about their monologues and their stories. Uh, you know, the one thing, because our, our, our time together is going to be very limited in, in rehearsal, um, we did a, a read through earlier in the, in the summer. And, uh, you know, I kind of, put it on the actors to be as familiar as they could be with their monologue mm-hmm. uh, from the first day of rehearsal so that we weren't fighting lines uh, right. as much and we could really, um, really just practice telling the whole story from beginning to end because mm-hmm. I think it's hard to piecemeal a story like the ones in, in, in this play. Um, and that really became a, a rehearsal strategy that I had to employ pretty quickly when I realized that we just have to run this whole thing every night. <laughs> we can't do little scene work here. We have to run this whole piece every night as much as we can. Uh, and that, you know, after the, the first few rehearsals, that became the, um, the game plan is that we would, we would start and we would run the whole thing with, with sometimes very little stopping, um, just to get into that, that feeling of being in the bar. Um, you know, the other thing I realized very quickly, was that any moves I made as a director were very obvious and were very plain. And so I, my, my directorial hand had to be very, mm-hmm. very subtle. And uh, it really had to be about the actors moving organically through this bar. And, um, and that, that was something that, uh, I, I was kind of anticipating, but I didn't realize how clear it would be when you're watching and, it really looks like, oh, the director told the actor to move there, yeah. and <laughs> you have to uh, you have to be very very careful about that in a play like down this. Down centered, yes, tell your exactly. Story. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right, we all do that in a pub, right? Yeah. <laughs> Although probably there is some way when where a storyteller does claim the center and they, stage. And they do, yeah, and they all do. And that's true. Yeah. And, and uh, with how, the Irish it, storyteller, it's mm. usually you grab your lapels, and that, that, <laughs> <laughs> that says, "I'm about to tell a story." <laughs> uh-huh. um, uh, something that that Matt. Uh, just mentioned the idea of just running it and running mm-hmm. it um, within each monologue, within each story, and I think these are stories in general. Y- you done well. I think you're you as an audience just get hooked into it. It's just you couldn't stop this story now right. If, right. if you wanted to, if, right. if if you you just couldn't. And I think the play as a whole is almost like that. The play as a whole is almost one story. So we were talking earlier, could you put an intermission in here? Mm -hmm. I don't think you could. Mm -hmm. I think this is one of those, I think it's individual stories, but I think it's one large Mm -hmm. story 
And so trying to stop it, trying to say, okay, we'll work on this, this five-minute scene here, is almost impossible mm-hmm. because that just taken out of context. Now, as an actor, it's very frustrating sometimes because in re- the rehearsal process because you think, oh, let me have another crack at that. Let me do, let me do that monologue again. But it's just part of a whole. I don't think, I don't think you can, I don't think you can French scene this play. I mean, there are, there are times when, when Matt would stagger the calls. So, so we'd work, you know, Brendan and I would work for a while and then Jimmy would come in. But for the most part, from, from the get go, we were, we were all working together. Demands a lot of actors because, oh gosh, now I have to sit and listen to this 10 minute bloviation from <laughs> Mr. Armacost. But it's, uh, I think I think the the play as a whole can't really be stopped and can't really it's not a series of stories it's mm-hmm. one big story. It's well, not. it's interesting you said what I what I'm hearing you all say is that you have these four stories that have a beginning, a middle and an end and now that was an event. But if that was all that happened, if it was just those episodes, mm-hmm. the play would lose its enormous power which comes from this uh, there's a narrative created by the four stories. Mm-hmm. We're learning the stories of the people, the storytellers through their stories. And that, I think you're saying the biggest challenge and the reason you had to keep running it was to get that rhythm, the mm-hmm. big rhythm, from beginning to end mm-hmm. to have its momentum. I think what's so brilliant about this play structurally is that it appears to be a play without exposition, right. that we just land in this bar and suddenly we're hearing these stories and we're slowly learning about these people. And then the big wallop, the big sucker punch that happens at the end is you realize, oh, wait, no, this did have a, a structure. Mm-hmm. This did have uh, some thought behind it. And it's so much more powerful as a result because you've been thought thinking the whole time that I'm, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just eavesdropping stories. in a, right, in a right. bar and I'm just listening to some ghost stories. But then you realize, oh no, there, there really is a great structure to this. this and that each yeah. story that is told is told because of the previous story that was mm-hmm. told. Mm-hmm. We had an audience member actually say to us that she thought the whole piece was like a, like a piece of music, almost like an opera. Mm-hmm. And that each of these monologues was a, like an aria, yeah. which I thought was a beautiful mm-hmm. kind of, um, yeah, yeah, comparison. Well, another challenging aspect of the script to me is that I don't know how many minutes it is at the beginning. You probably do. Um, five, ten, a long time. One by one, these characters are coming into the bar and they are talking about absolutely nothing. I mean, I don't know when the first story happens, but it's pretty far in, isn't it? You know, I think the first story happens maybe 25 minutes in, yeah. something mm-hmm. like that. And you know, there's certainly, I think there's a couple things for the audience to overcome. One, I think any play you're listening to dialects in that you're not accustomed mm. to hearing to, there's a little bit of that shift where you're for the first, to. first few minutes, you're like, Oh my gosh, am I going to understand any of this? Yeah. <laughs> and then a switch flips and mm. suddenly everything becomes much more clear. And That's I think that, true. that happens a little bit in this play. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a great dialect coach, by the way, Barb mm-hmm. Zahora, okay. uh, was wonderful. Um, but, uh, so there, there's that that I think the audience is getting acclimated to, but then, yeah, certainly you're being inundated with these what seem to be very banal details about rule, <laughs> rural life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would challenge that in that I think all of those details come back to bear a little bit later in the play and they you do. realize this is not small talk, right. that all of these small things they're talking about really do figure into the greater story uh, that, Absolutely. that we're dealing with. So, but in, the evol- in those first 15 minutes mm-hmm. or 20, you don't know how it's going to yeah, pay off. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've seen them play before. I, I will say for about the first 10 minutes, I was like, gosh, is, is this, I remember this being much more compelling. <laughs> 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 and then, you know, you just have to trust it. 
And it is fun to be in this Irish pub on a windy night. I mean, just the atmospherics, which is why I, I think mm-hmm. you're right about the set being so important. I mean, that's kind of what carries those first 20 minutes is just being in this place, in mm-hmm. this interesting place. I hope it's no spoiler that I read the Carrick phone book for 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> and then that's, uh, no, I, and, and, and lest we forget, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not suggesting we were, but it's easy to look at this. Um, I don't, I, I always feel uncomfortable when it's described as a series of ghost stories because mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, that kind of simplifies it. And a series of stories, just four stories, um, there's more monologue. There's more exposition, I think, in that 20 minutes and in the mm-hmm. interstitial pieces. It's not just, okay, now I'm going to tell right. a story. You're going to tell a story. There's a lot of byplay. There's a, 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 a lovely, it's, it's truly Irish theater mm-hmm. in that you're laughing one second and the next you're watching your heart slide down the wall mm-hmm. because it's just been pulled out and, and you won't be needing this for a while. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, you know, I mean, Irish writers have been doing that. Forever, and you know, contemporary Irish Brian Friel and, and McPherson certainly, and and any number of Murphy does that. It's 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 just a, a wonderful thing, and I think it's the epitome of storytelling to realize, oh my gosh, I'm 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 I as an audience member, as a listener, have invested more of this than I intended to. Um, there's there's uh, Brantley Ben Brantley in in the original review of this play in '99 said there's that shocking moment when you realize you've had your soul scraped up against mm-hmm. and that that thrilling catharsis when you realize and you got off on the other side of it and I think that's a, a horrible misquoting of <laughs> Mr Brantley but but <laughs> it is course, just that yeah. scrape of recognition all of a sudden you realize mm-hmm. oh they're talking about me mm-hmm. and that is not. Irish, that is not uh, rural, that is not urban. I, you know, I, I'm from Indiana and, and I have farm people in, in, uh, you know, generations ago and I spent time on a farm when I was young and I've heard these people, I've heard mm-hmm. these people sitting around just making that seemingly innocuous, but they're getting to know one another. They're, they're expressing their relationships. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, Butting of heads, actually, mm-hmm. in these long-term relationships, lots of historical, um, uh, what's it called when you bear a grudge and li- oh, things sure. that are, you know, mm-hmm. bubbling sure. up under the surface. Well, talk, let's go back to the, your point earlier, Brad, about listening, and, and both of you can talk, Sarah and, and Brad, about this. What the, the, these long monologues mean that on the one hand, you're on as an actor for these very extended times, and then, you're listening for these very, the rest of you are listening for these very extended times. And I would imagine that that's hard work to be really alive as you're listening to these stories, particularly because you've now heard them, what, how many times? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, there's no, uh, there's no suspense for you <laughs> in these stories. So is there a, is there any technique that you use to stay there? I think so. I think that the, um, I think to go on, what Brad was just saying, that one of the themes of in this play mm-hmm. is the transformation through storytelling. So it's not just sitting around telling stories for the sake of it. Actually, something is occurring. And for me, what is occurring is healing. And I think it's healing for the characters. I think it's healing for, certainly for me as an actor, and I think ultimately it's healing for the audience in, in the way that you say, 
the audience recognizes that is their own soul that's just been scraped up too. Mm -hmm. So I think as regards listening to the same story overnight as an actor, the trick is, always the trick is to hear it for the first time, but how do you actually um, actualize that? Mm -hmm. I think you let it transform you every night and you, um, you listen for the first time every night. You, you, new things come up and, and it really helps working with, amazing actors that we have in this show mm. that new things do happen every night and sometimes those new and wonderful accidents that happen produce moments of almost forgetting where you are in a monologue but we know it so well that you can always bring it back mm. and that to me is the joy of being with in this play in this kind of writing with these kind of actors um, and, with, and with a director that very much wanted that to happen mm -hmm. that it is actually easier than it's actually easier in performance to sit and listen to that um even more than it was in rehearsal when we were figuring it out mm -hmm. because now really it's my character um says to brad's character jack no i'd like to hear it i'm interested in it and that's not difficult for me to say every mm -hmm. night and i just plonk down on a chair and i just wait and see what happens it's <laughs> it's actually wonderful are there times when you realize that you're you know tidying your drawers <laughs> In your head. <laughs> if, if there were, you I must be reading my mail. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was one night actually. Um, uh, Jeff Christian, who plays the character of Jim, got to a point in his monologue where the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, mm. and in my mind, I said, "Oh my god." And as I said, oh, my God, in my mind, a woman in the front row went, oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So those things definitely happen. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I should say is, and this is often true when I do these interviews with a small cast that truly is an ensemble, you know, any two of the five of you could be here. I wanted mm -hmm. Matt as the director, and it's always hard to leave out these other wonderful mm -hmm. actors who have created amazing uh, performances. I, I have to say this cast has a a fraternity and a uh, <laughs> an insouciance backstage that I have rarely encountered. They they love each other. They write songs on a daily basis. Uh, it's a it's a pretty wonderful dressing room to, to eavesdrop on. Yes, it's yeah. they're very very reverential. <laughs> that brings up something I've thought about the actor's life or the theater artist's life, which is that you create these communities that are so dear and tight they can be in a good show and then off you go sure how do you deal with that stories you've got stories yeah. we, you know you, you you how many theater stories how many breaks did we come back to you know matt telling a story about mm -hmm. a some other show puppeteering in yeah. uh, in ohio or something yeah, like all that all kinds or, of crazy things but but you know really a lot of this cast has worked together before. I was going to say, that's the beauty of Chicago is yeah. you get to work with each other sure. again. Mm -hmm. Brad and I have worked together before. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Jeff, Kevin, and myself as ensemble members have worked together. Um, really, Brad Smith was just the, the only person I think that was new, new to the, new to the gang. He was won over immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a, is a very, very talented young man. Also a very, very talented musician as yes, well. Yes, indeed. 
part of the songwriting backstage. He's a contributor to the. Uh, he plays the piano and tries to stay above the fray. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's usually the uh, the old veterans that are supplying the lyrics. I don't know. He's got his own source of bad words. Yes, he does. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about Shanaki, which this is actually the first Shanaki show I've seen, and um, it's a. As I understand it, uh, you do Irish theater. You do it in this space, the Irish American Heritage Center. I assume you have a big cohort of Irish audience members. Is that all true? Did I get all that right? <laughs> uh, I, very good. This um, this is our second show in this space, but it's mm. the first show of our new season. That We traditionally have done one show a year, mm. and the beauty and the goal of, of having our own home is that we can now start to do more than one show a year, which is what we're doing. Um, the Irish American Heritage Center is obviously the perfect place for an Irish theater company. Shanaki means storyteller. Yeah. So um, it's a perfect blend. We have Irish American people here who, who we want to bring to our theater. We also want to bring members of the theater community at large over here to this incredible place that has so much going on. Brad Armacost has been a member here for many, 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 many years <laughs> and, uh, and, and knows it and loves it well, in fact, pretty much put this theatre together for it. So it's kind of a coming home to have mm. Brad with us. Um, the uh, We do look for stories of, you know, Irish origin and, and in the storytelling tradition, although this, the weir has to be the perfect... <laughs> if you, We talk about, laughingly talk about the Shaunaki umbrella, this uh, play falls into it, you know... Right in the right s- in sweet the spot. It of, really falls of, yeah. into the sweet spot. Um so, so yeah, so this is, this is, we're, we're thrilled that this has been such a hit. Um, we want to, we, our next play is going to be a very contemporary play that nobody has, this is the Midwest premiere of it. That was mm-hmm. then by Jared Stembridge. Um, so we're hoping to bring people who really respond to this, as you say, the sweet spot of Irish storytelling into other, um, plays of Irish storytelling, storytelling and, and from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. It's it's working out pretty well. <laughs> Was there anything else you all want to say about this production? You know, I feel like a lot of this production, at least for me, my hard work came before rehearsal started. I feel mm. like this was a play for me that was all about assembly. And it was about casting it correctly, having the right designers on board, and then staying out of the way. <laughs> How did it come about? Did you bring the idea to Shanaki? Uh, you know, I I didn't. Uh, the Weir was a part of their season, and mm-hmm. I came to see Dancing at Lunasa and was having uh, having a beer with the cast after after the show <laughs> and the, the great bar downstairs. <laughs> and uh, you know, it came up that they were hunting for a director for the Weir, and uh, it was a play that I I loved. And you raised your hand, threw my mm-hmm. threw my proverbial hat in the ring, and <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, we're here now. Well, that's an interesting process I know nothing about. When a mm. company ha- knows they want to do a play and doesn't have a director mm-hmm. in mind, you know, what what does it mean to say he threw his hat in the ring? You, he, you know Matt wants to do it. How do you decide? How do you assess three or four potential directors for sure. a show? Well, the, we also have a lot of directors in our ensemble. Mm-hmm. So our first our first port of call will be, does anybody in the ensemble want to direct it? And they turned this down? Well, I think they wanted to be in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> they knew that being in it meant they got to drink. And uh, being directors, they, they had to stay sober, uh-huh. kind of. Um, 
I think that really that was it. The draw to actually be in this play was very, very strong. Mm-hmm. So um, then we, yeah, then we started to look out. Now, it just so happened, Matt and I had worked together on a play last year called Graceland that Matt right. directed. So, um, so you knew his work and you could and report I in. Worked, absolutely, mm-hmm. yes, worked with him very closely on that, mm-hmm. obviously. So knew that he would be a... Uh, people's director and we need we needed someone who was going to really be that that sixth character mm-hmm. maybe seventh character i think the bar is a character too but <laughs> but be that seventh you know to be really part of this group and that is you know what what he brought brought with him was mm-hmm. this bringing the group together we had beers at our first read through and and uh-huh. uh, um so to be honest it kind of, when he suggested that he wanted to do it, and he had a real passion about this play, as he said, he, he fell in love with it on a beach in, in <laughs> midsummer. Um, it just was a good fit. Mm-hmm. We so just, you kind of knew as soon we just as he kind said, of knew. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the results are spectacular, and thank you so much for joining me to talk about it. Well, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much.